Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Daftomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We're now on Masachet Beitzah Daftet Vav Amud Bet. Going to look at the first Mishnah in this, the second parak, Parak Yom Tov, which, as I mentioned at the end of the previous podcast, will begin with the discussion of the mitzvah of Eruv Tav Shilin, the reasoning behind it, and the parameters of that obligation. Yom Tov Shechaliot Erev Shabbat. So when Yom Tov falls on Friday, Lo Yivah Shabbat Chila Mi Yom Tov LeShabbat. You're not allowed to begin cooking on Yom Tov for Shabbat. Of Mashel Hu Yom Tov, but you may cook for Yom Tov itself. Im Hotel Hotel LeShabbat. And if you have something left over, that could be for Shabbat. For set of Shabbat of Yom Tov, and you make a, you cook something on Erev Yom Tov, Somech Alav LeShabbat. And that becomes what you're cooking for Shabbat. And Sobech Alav Shabbat means you can then continue cooking on Yom Tov to add on to what you already began on Erev Yom Tov, all for Shabbat. Bet Shemai So Bet Shemai says that what you need to prepare on Erev Yom Tov is two cooked items. Just one. If you cook a, a fish and with an egg on top of it and fry them together, that's considered two tavshilin. So Beit Shammai would be satisfied with that. If over Yom Tov you ate it up before you started cooking, adding on to it for Shabbat, or it was lost, then you cannot become, begin cooking again uh, as a startup for Shabbat. But if you left over even the smallest amount, we'll see the Gemara uh, will not let this be really the smallest amount, then you may continue cooking for Shabbat. Okay, Menahanimili. The Gemara's first question is, what's the source of this obligation or restriction against cooking uh, on Yom Tov for the next day, which is Shabbat? The obligation to remember Shabbat, he interprets as, Remember it in place of something that's coming to make us forget it. Meaning, here's Yom Tov, we're going to get so excited about Yom Tov, we'll forget about the Shabbat that's the day afterwards. So my time, what's the reason behind that? In other words, what Shmuel is saying is, make sure that you don't forget to prepare something nice for Shabbat, and you also have something nice for Yom Tov. Rashi Amari has a different take. If you tell people that they cannot cook or bake from Yom Tov to Shabbat, which is the day afterwards, they'll say to themselves, we can't cook from Yom Tov to Chol, which indeed is true, and that lesson will then be kind of hardwired for them. Let's test these two approaches. Our Mishnah said that you prepare something on Erev Yom Tov and use it for Shabbat. According to Ravashi, who says that the consideration is that we want people to understand that you can't prepare for Yom Tov to Shabbat, so certainly not from Yom Tov to Chol, then we understand why you must prepare this cooked item on air of Yom Tov and not on Yom Tov itself. Although the Rava, according to Rava's take on interpreting Shmuel, my of Yom Tov, I feel Yom Tov Nami. It should be okay to prepare such a thing on Yom Tov itself because the main thing is not to forget Shabbat. The answer is, according to Rava's take on this, it would be okay, really, essentially, to prepare something on Yom Tov for Shabbat and, uh, and then to begin from there. The concern is that you may forget to do that uh, and then indeed come to Shabbat without anything properly prepared to celebrate. Uh, we have another source in a Brayta from the story of the mine. That which you're going to bake, bake, that which you're going to cook, cook, meaning on Friday for Shabbat. 
But there's an allusion to um, Yom Tov on Erev Shabbat that you can only bake to add to that which has already been baked and you can only cook to add to that which has already been cooked. In other words, So here's an allusion to Erev Tov Shilin in the Torah that you need to start that preparation before Yom Tov and then just be adding to it on Yom Tov. So it was Yom Tov, and Rabbi was teaching all day. Uh, the first group, a group, got up to leave the Beit Nidrash and go home. So he said to the other students, these guys must have huge, huge barrels of wine waiting for them. So the second group got up later. He said, these guys must have barrels of wine. He said, these guys have big jugs of wine. He said, these guys have flasks of wine. These guys have cups of wine. And this is an illusion, the idea that they had a lot of food or less food, all the stuff that was prepared for them that they wanted to go and eat. The last group started to go. He said, these guys must be cursed. They must have nothing at home. He looked at the students. They all started getting upset and blushing and turning different colors. I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying it to the guys who already left. They're leaving eternal life of study. And they're involving themselves in a temporary life of food and other pleasures. What did he do to the student? What did he say to the students when they actually were ready to leave and he had finished teaching? He said, Which was said to the people when they were upset when they heard about Rosh Hashanah, the reading, and he said, No, go home and celebrate, uh, eat good foods and drink uh, good uh, drinks and send things to people who don't have. We'll see what Leinachon Lo may mean. Today is a holy day for God. Don't be upset because Hashem's happiness is your strength. Amar Let's go back to the story. They leave eternal life and involve themselves in temporary life. Why is Rabbi Eliezer chastising those who are going home to celebrate? After all, Simchat Yom Tov is a mitzvah. The answer is Rabbi Eliezer Tamei. We remember the machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua about how to celebrate Yom Tov from Masach Psachim. There was Simchat Yom Tov Rishut. He said there is no obligation to celebrate on Yom Tov in the sense of Simcha. The time Rabbi Eliezer Mer Eino Adam Yom Tov Ela Ochel Veshotel Yishev Veshonei. You have two choices. Yom Tov can be a party, or Yom Tov can be a study session meaning all day. And therefore, there is no obligation to eat and drink and celebrate that way in Yom Tov. He says the opposite. You have to split it in half. Half of it devoted to God with study and prayer, and half of it is devoted to you with eating and drinking. Famously, Rabbi Yochan interpreted both Rabbi Eliezer and Meshur are reading the same pasuk. It's really two pasukim, one describing the last day of Pesach, one describing the last day or the eighth day of Sukkot. It's not Sarat for God or not Sarat for you. So instead of saying, well, one of them is Pesach and that's Lashem, and one of them is Shmi Atzeret and that's Lachem, they read them as both being applicable to all the Chagim. And so therefore, Belezer Savar, Okul Hashem, Okul Lachem, that the Torah is giving you two options. You can do a Lashem or a Lachem. Pick one. Shur Savar Chakeu, he says the opposite. Split the day in half. Chetzio Lachem, Chetzio Lachem. 
Okay, my la'in nachon lo. What's the interpretation of the verse in Nehemiah? Send things to people la'in nachon lo. It's an allusion to the idea that somebody who did not leave Erev Tavshilin send them food. Meaning that they are not, that they don't have anything to eat, so you're going to send food to them. Maybe it means somebody who did not have the ability to leave Erev Tavshilin, they had nothing to eat. But if somebody had the ability and didn't put it down, then he's a sinner and we don't send it to him. Okay, in the next passage, we're going to go back to that issue. My What does it mean that Hashem's happiness is your strength? God said to B'nai Yisrael, B'nai, 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 Or in the words of the song, B'nai, Right? My sons, borrow money on me, on me, on my account, as it were. And sanctify the day, and trust me, I'll pay you back. And we're going to see a little more about that right now. Uh, so that's that, that, your, that Hashem's celebration is your strength. So before we go back to interpreting, to explaining what Levu Alai means, um, another statement that Rabbi Yochanan had, quoting Rabbi Eliezer by Bishimon, said, if you want to have successful property that will stay with you, you should plant this Eder tree. It's an illusion in the Pasuk and Tzidim Tzadi Gimel. Inami, or another way to interpret it is, it's called an Idra. It lasts forever. It's a tree that lasts forever, and it's always a sign on your field, and therefore nobody can ever take your field or, or claim that it's not yours because you have that sign of that tree. The field that has an Eder and it can't be stolen, you can't be forced off it. And also the nature of that tree is that it scares away birds and other things that affect the fruit, and the fruit are safe. So he taught the following. This goes back to During those ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, all of your income is set in heaven. What you're going to get for that year? Chutz from three things: Hotzat Shabbat, Shabbat Tov, Hotzat Yom Tov, Hotzat Panavulam Torah. Except for what you spend on Shabbat, what you spend on Yom Tov, what you spend on teaching your kids Torah. Shem Pachat Pochatino. If you spend little, then you get less. Vim Hosif Hosifinlo. Then they add more, and that's the Levuah Amar Biabahu Maikra. What's the source for the general rule, not the exceptions? Tikkun Vachodesh Shofar Bekesel Yom Chagenu. Pasli Pasuk and Tilim Peyalef. Blast the shofar b'chodesh on the on the keser, which seems to be referring to uh, to the uh, to the throne, the Yom Chagenu. But the drasha is ezu chag shachodesh mit keser. But what chag do we have where the moon is hot hidden? Avema is a rosh hashanah. That's rosh hashanah. And what's the next pasuk? Uchtiv ki chok liyisraelu mishpat leluhe akov. It's a chok for Yisrael. And that word is going to lead us here because my chok is an allusion to to food or food appropriations. How do we know that? This is uh, when Yosef is giving out the food. What he's given is a chok. Give me my bread of my my daily bread, as it were. So chok is an allusion to food, and so therefore chok li Israel means the food. Allocation is given by Kesel Yom Chagenu. It's a famous thing that Shemayah Zaken. They said, "Call your mouth Hayal Chel Chod Shabbat." 
every day he would eat l'chvod Shabbat. What does that mean? Matzah be'mana omer zul Shabbat. If he found a good animal, he would say, "I'm going to eat that on Shabbat." Matzah cher naim, and if he found a better one, maniach tashniya v'chatol shna. He would put the second one aside for Shabbat and eat the first one. So everyone was l'chvod Shabbat. Hillel has a ken midah cheret etalu. Hillel, on the other hand, had a different approach. Shekol masal l'shem shemaim. Everything he did was l'shem shemaim. There's lots of interpretation discussion about how we interpret L'Shem Shemayim here. We bless God every day. Meaning every day we accept God's blessings for today. Following Shemayim would say from the first day of Shabbat already for your Shabbat. Meaning the whole week is aimed towards Shabbat. It would say every day we accept God's blessings. If you give a gift to somebody, you don't have to tell him. You can sneak it into his, sneak it into his pocket. Moshe did not know that his face was glowing when Gashem gave him that gift upon Har Sinai. We have a challenge. Hashem gives us Shabbat. He says, in order to know that I'm Hashem, makes you holy. And what's the drasha? I have a beautiful gift in my treasure house. It's called Shabbat. So I want to give it to Go tell them I'm giving them this gift. Which means you have to tell somebody when you're giving them a gift. So you see that if you... From here we know that if you're going to give bread to, a, some, to a, somebody's child, somebody else's child, you have to tell the mother that you gave them the bread. If it's a gift that later is going to be revealed that you got the gift, you don't have to tell them. But if it's not, then it's not going to be clear who gave it, then you got to tell them. But Shabbat, everybody's going to know about, so why did he have to tell them? Yes, Shabbat itself was going to be known, but its Sachar wasn't going to be known, and therefore, Moshe, you have to tell them. On the other hand, Moshe's glowing face would be found, would be known, it would be obvious where it came from, so therefore Hashem didn't have to tell them. So he said, you have to tell the mother, inform the mother that you gave the child this bread. My How do you tell the mother? You rub some oil on him, put some rouge on his eye, and then the mother's going to say, where'd this come from? And then he'll say, oh, a man gave me some bread, and he did this. But now in our society where people who see that, they're going to be afraid that somebody hex the child. What do we do? Take whatever it is that you gave the child as a gift, put a little bit of it on his skin or on his head. The mother will say, what happened? He'll say, oh yeah, this man gave me some bread. Every mitzvah that Hashem gave to Am Yisrael, he gave publicly. We mean the whole world know about it. Except for Shabbat was given privately. Shabbat is an intimate thing, an intimate sign between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why are the Goyim punished in the Midrashic skein of, of uh, from the Midrashim at the end of his Bracha for not accepting the Torah, including not accepting Shabbat, if it was not publicized? The answer is Shabbat, no, that's not true, Shabbat was publicized. And just as we had earlier, here we also use the same idea that the reward for Shabbat was not publicized. That's what the Beni Uvei Israel is. Perhaps you could even say, Matan Odinu. even notified about the Sachar, but Neshamai Teral Odinu, but they were not notified about the Neshamai Teral, the extra soul that a person gets for Shabbat. That was the private thing. 
God gives an extra soul to a person before Shabbat. When Shabbat ends, they take it away from them. What's the drashah? Once Shabbat has left, whoa, the, that extra soul is gone. He back to the Mishnah. You make a, a cooked item on Erev Yom Tov. It has to be a cooked item. Of a pot low, bread's not enough. So maishna patalo, why not bread? You need something that has taste. Ufatlo malafta, and bread doesn't. Vahadaisa nami, this porridge that they have, it doesn't give flavor, and it's usable according to this first version for Erev Tavshilin. Zera used to make this comment about the foolish Babylonians that eat bread with bread, they would eat dice on bread. And yet he said you can use daisa for an erev tavshilin, so that way that can't be the criterion. The answer is you need something that's not that common. Bread is very common; it's used at every meal. But daisa loshchicha, so therefore you need something special. That's version one. Version two comes from almost the opposite direction. Same thing. Abai said bread's no good. My time, what's the reason? If it's because you need something that's uncommon and bread is common, but dice is not common, so according to that it should work. According to that second version, you're not allowed to use daisa as a, as a of tavshilin. So we have two versions of what Abaye said. It must be some, it has to be something tasty. So bread and porridge, neither of them are really tasty. And therefore, that's the criterion. So really, it's all going to come down to whether we allow porridge or not. If we allow porridge, it's because it has to be uncommon. If we don't allow it, it's because it has to be tasty. And again, we quote Rabbi Zeir with his caustic comment about the foolish Babylonians, and they're eating bread with bread. If you have uh, lentils that are at the bottom or the sides of the pot, you can use them for Erev Shilin. As long as there's a gazayat of them, you could use that. After you finish cooking. You have fat that's on the, on the knife. You can scrape that off and use that for Erev Shilin. As long as the gazayat. Little fish are not a consideration of Bishulein Ochrim. They're not significant, and Bishulein Ochrim, that which is cooked by a non-Jew being forbidden, is only something significant. That's why we have coffee made by non-Jews, etc. So these little fish are insignificant. But if a non-Jew fried them, you can use them for Tavshilin. But if he made it into that mix of flour and fried fish, because of the harsana asur, then it's a bishulinochim problem. Pshita, that should be obvious. So ma'udatayma, harsana, ikar, kamash palan, kimcha ikar. I might have thought that the fish was the main thing. The answer is, in that case, the flour is the main thing. And there that is, bishulinochim. Amor biyabai, yiruv tavshilin tzachim kazait. You need a kazait for yiruv tavshilin, as we just saw. Does that mean a kazait for each person who's benefiting from it? Maybe a kazait, sorry, one kazait for everybody or kazait for each person. You need a kazait, whether it's for one person or a hundred, so that's clear, just one kazait for everybody. In our Mishnah, we said that if you ate up the Erev Tavshilin, you can't, you can't cook anymore. 
meaning to start something new for Shabbat, but she men of course, if you left any amount, so mechalav Shabbat, then you can use it. So my kol shu, what is in kol shu? It doesn't kol shu mean minimal with no shear at all? No, there is a kazayit. That's what kol shu means. In this case, toshma tavshil zetzali. We said a tavshil means a fried item. Afilu kavush shalukum vushal, or can be brined or boiled or cooked. Kliyas ha'ispani, and a kind of fish. If you put hot water on erev yom tov, it needs no shiur at the beginning nor at the end, meaning if some of it's been eaten. My love, in Loshir Klaal doesn't mean it has no shiur. Lo, in Loshir Lamala means it could be as big as you want. It has a minimal shiur, which is Kazayat. Alright, the last topic we're going to tackle here is the issue of Dat. You need to have awareness. So, Pshita, Dat, and obviously you need to have awareness of the guy who's actually putting the Erev Tavshin down and why he's doing it. But that But you need that of the people on whose benefit were what he put it down, I mean who were included in it. Shmuel used to make an erev tavshilin for the whole town of Nahardea. and they would make an eru for all of Tiberia. So that sounds like you don't need that of the people who are benefiting from it. On the other hand, perhaps the very fact that they did it intending for everybody and let them know means that they did have to know about it. So he used to announce, if somebody forgot to put down Erev Tavshilin, you can use mine. But he would announce it. It sounds like they do need to know. Viad comma, what's the distance? Meaning, if I make an Erev Tavshilin in Kansas, does it work for somebody in Chicago? From where you are, Tchum Shabbat, meaning everyone in your town, all the way out to the Tchum, is included in your Erev Tavshilin. How was Samuel? It was a blind man. He was a Tana who would repeat Mishnayot to Shmuel and Shmuel's Beit Midrash. He saw him evidently on Yom Tov, and it was probably Erev Yom Tov, Yom Tov which was Erev Shabbat, and he saw that the, the man was uh, sad. But Shmuel said, why are you sad? I, didn't, I forgot to put that Erev Tavshilin. You can use mine and you can cook. The next year, same thing happened. He saw him the next year or a later year. He saw that he was sad. Why are you sad? Again, I forgot to put Erev Tavshilin. Now you're a sinner. Because now you knew about it and you should have remembered Everybody else may use Erev Tavshilin, you may not. From here we get the halacha, and the Erev Tavshilin may be relied upon that someone else made, but only if the person forgot to make, that the person who's relying on it forgot to make it, not if they intentionally said, I'm not going to make it, I don't rely on the other guys, then it doesn't work. And that's why the formula that we say to make an Erev Tavshilin is the Chol Yisrael, for all Jews who reside in this city. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up with a continuation of analysis of our first Mishnah in the next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.